Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread! Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? It's Friday, and we are back. And we got Grifka here. Grifka, Friday, Lions game on Sunday. What's going on with you? Uh, not much, man. Just, uh, I'd like to say, looking forward to this game, but uh, it, it's Friday. Let's put it that way. Man, TGIF, but man, we definitely expected a different uh, record for our Lions. We definitely expected them to have some mojo coming to this game, and it's the complete opposite. So we've lost three in a row. The record's sitting at three and six. Not pretty. Lots of injuries. Talk to me. What's going on in the news and notes, or what's going on in the world of the Lions with you? I just have a couple questions for you, and just a couple losses. Uh... You know, biggest thing is, like, uh, do you miss Eric Ebron yet? Griff, could get out of here with that card. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you going to be that guy where, like, you've hated Eric Ebron his whole life? I didn't – I hated the draft pick. I mean, as much as you rag on me, you remember that same night where you wrote me and said, I hope they don't pick that tight end from North Carolina. I didn't want him either. There was probably, like, a handful of other guys I wanted most – most – uh prominently was my love that year for Aaron Donald, but I knew the Lions wouldn't take him. And do I miss Eric Ebron? Absolutely not, Griff. Like this is this is the world we live in. You call me ESPN or the the twenty eighteen uh millennial now like all we do is look at what happened yesterday or like, oh wow, look at he's got ten touchdowns. Like Eric Ebron, this, that, and the other. Like when you really break it down, he's got all these little touchdowns. He probably has like two that are actually decent yardage. I mean, this guy's the same player. I mean, he has a Andrew Luck's playing better football than Matt Stafford. You know, yeah, their offense might be finding a few ways to get him the ball, but this guy was a he had his chances. He never turned a ball upfield, made any plays here. He's not doing that really in Indy. Like, I'm so sick of when somebody does okay for a small stretch. It's like they forgot about the four years he was here in Detroit. Like, get out of here with that. Yeah, I, get out. <laughs> I agree with you. I'm not, uh, I'm not sad he's gone. And people are like, oh, we just needed a change of venue to show how good he really is. Just like. Yeah, whatever. What a joke. And like, you can't translate it that way either. It's not like, oh, if you put Matt Stafford on the, uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, he'd be incredible. Like, I don't know. It doesn't work that way. You can't just, like, drop people in and and say, you know, they would be good or, like, look at what they would have done. I mean, he had four years of terrible production here. It's not like we didn't get him the football or he didn't play. He was out yeah. there and he didn't, he didn't score touchdowns or make impactful plays. Yeah. And he's done it for what? Eight games there. Talk to me in three years of what he's done. And then right. I'll tell you, but exactly. I'm the same way. You let me know. Yeah. He's having a good year. Cause he got this chip on his shoulder and he's like, Oh, I'm proving you Lions fans wrong. So, yeah. Okay. Next year when you're comfortable and you're on the team again and you're not trying to <laughs> prove anything. Yeah. Is let's see, like drop passes, then and then when Colts fans start to hate you, you can blame those guys too, and then you have to go somewhere else. Okay. All right, I got to give myself a half Griff Cabell because, like, I'm usually the guy that doesn't need to see this big long track record, but I know that you know I just get frustrated because, like, even my optimism and fandom, like, you know, you gotta, you still gotta show it to me for a, a, a good amount of stretch for me to really buy in. Like, we cannot flip out about these guys. I mean, especially a guy like that that has just always underperformed. Okay, now he's doing good, and like everybody. I mean, how many talk shows have I had to hear that on? Or like, what? Do, what do the uh, Detroit writers do? They just go to the old bit siren. Like when somebody leaves the Lions and is good, they just start writing the articles. It's like, come on, man, you're better than that, or at least I thought you were. Yeah. 
I just got one other question. I mean, I don't know if you heard this yet, but uh, I know I'm going to have to have a moment of silence, you know, with uh, the closing of Chelly's Chili. You know, uh, it's closing down really? at the end of the month. And yeah, oh, so, no. uh, so uh, yeah, I didn't know if you heard that, but uh, yeah, it's closing down at the end of the month. So no more Chelly's Chili, you know, right down there by Ford Field and Comerica Park and you know, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just sad to see it go. I mean, because I know we always saw the sign from, from our spot where we tailgate. You know, the, the chili sign. So, uh, it, it won't be there any longer. I guess we'll have to like wait for something else to come up. You know, like a uh, McDonald's or Wendy's or something. <laughs> but uh, does, that, does that make you sad? Chili's chili leaving. Oh man, definitely. That was always kind of a nice little spot there. It's an easy place to go to, or like I said, a landmark. But I got to admit, like when I would go there, I, I wasn't, a, their food really wasn't that good. I mean, I think I used to pub up, like I tried the chili. I mean, it doesn't even compare to my grandpa's chili. He makes the baddest bowl of chili on the planet. So Chelly's got a little bit of work to do to catch up to my grandpa and the rest of the food wasn't really that good. But I mean, that rooftop was awesome and just awesome location. So I'm surprised with the way Detroit is tearing it up down there that why they would be, unless they got like a nice buyout. Cause there's probably somebody else that wants that primo spot they got. But, uh, I don't know. It's surprising. I had no idea, but like I say, hopefully another cool place will go in there. Cause it is a good spot. Uh, by our tailgate and just right at the corner there between the stadiums. Yeah. All I can figure is like you said, somebody else taking it with uh Chelly going back to Chicago to be closer to his mom and stuff like that. That's all I can figure. It's just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, just, uh, you know, time to pull up stakes and move on out. But yeah, yeah that, that building won't be sitting empty very long. Cause I don't think there's uh too many empty buildings on that stretch of, uh, a street and especially down there in the uh, the district right now with everything going on down there a lot of that uh space is being built up so yeah it won't be too long before something's in there not too hey, probably, about it. probably made a killing on it and just think grifka when the lions are winning super bowls and tearing it up in a couple of years like i keep trying to tell you and convince you like everybody's going to want to be downtown um with restaurants and all types of stuff so whoever gets that will be ready when this team uh gets it rocking and rolling probably the next two to three years right yeah, and you know people are going there just because it was Chelly. You know, it was like, oh, Chelly's Chili, we got to go there. You know, you know, that's what it was. If that place was just like another Chili joint sitting out like in Auburn Hills or something like that, place, that place probably would have closed down. Like you said, the, the food was only okay. So uh, yeah. I think a lot of those people was just like going there for the Chili place, you know. just It's like going to Hockey Town. People go to Hockey Town because it's the Red Wings thing. If uh, if that was just like some other bar that wasn't, you know, full of Red, Red Wings and Detroit stuff, uh you know, I've been there, you know, a few times and the food, the food's okay. So that's about, that's about what I, what I love about those two spots uh, is the, I'd always go when I was going to wings game, I'd go to one of those two. Cause you could just hang out or eat, drink, whatever. And then uh free shuttle, right, right out the door, just catch the shuttle, takes you right to the Joe. That was always awesome perks. So, yeah. um, but Grifka, just think uh, in honor of little Tim, right off the top, you've hit me with two, get out. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get Eric Ebron out and Shelly, man. He, he uh, a decade ago got in and now he's got to get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's move on to the game here. I mean, uh, that's all I got for news and notes. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about this Carolina game that we should be looking forward to on uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, once again, uh, Carolina, so they're having a pretty decent year. Um, we all know Cam Newton. He he seems to always be kind of hit or miss. I mean, I've seen him have good games against Detroit, and then uh, he's also had you know very average games against them as well. Um, what's uh, what, what's your breaking down on what what Detroit needs to do to try to defend uh, Cam Newton so he has another one of those kind of average to below average games? Griffith, real quick, give me your two second take on Cam because I think I know what it is, but I want to know what Griffith thinks of Cam Newton. <laughs> he not that great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I can just assume like everything that you hate about a certain football players in the NFL or personalities like Cam Newton's every one of those plus plus some extra swag and garbage on the end. Like I just see you hating this guy, but um, to Cam Newton, I mean he's. He's weird. He's like different in my opinion. Cause like he came out of the gates incredible as a rookie. And then I remember I was like on his train then he had a couple bad years. So I kind of was like, ah, maybe this guy doesn't have it mentally or maybe he, um, you know, just doesn't have what it takes to be a top pro quarterback. And here we are this year again. And all his numbers are up. He's, he's got that mojo going, um, uh, North Turner's 
calling great plays. They finally put all these little playmakers around him where he can just dump the ball off and let them do all the work. And he, he always seems to make a run play when you really just don't want him to. He kind of, he doesn't, he's not dynamic and fast, but there's certain ways where he just kind of creases the defense with his legs or with these, these plays that he makes. I mean, just a, an odd, I mean, he's a crazy big athlete. He's got all the measurables and stuff you would look for, but when you see him on the field, like he doesn't look dynamic to me and he doesn't, he doesn't seem like a pocket passer. I almost don't understand how he gets it done, but he does. And he's doing it this year big. Yeah. He seems to be that guy. He'll have like a hot year, then a cold year, a hot year, then a cold year. And, uh, this year just, he seems to be having another hot year. And, uh, like you said, it's just one of those things where he's he's not blazing speed, but he makes uh he makes plays with his feet. He can you know escape in the pocket and you know scamper for a first down. Um, he seems to be uh, hitting his wide receivers a little better. I mean, there seems like in past years where his accuracy has been utterly terrible, but uh, he oh. seems to be doing a little better at that this year. And um, and uh, Grifka, he, he right, like- you got to watch for something on Sunday. This is the biggest thing that makes me laugh about Cam Newton. Watch when he's in the pocket and like a receiver comes open or like he's ready to cork one loose. The way he throws the ball, I mean, every throw that Cam Newton makes, it looks like he's throwing it as hard as he can. It looks like he almost closes his eyes and just like puts his whole body into it. Just, I don't know. There's something about like, you know, those throwers that it just looks like natural and easy coming off their hand. Yeah. Cam Newton, it could be like an, a 12 yard in and it looks like it's the hardest throw in football when they show the replay. Like he's just loading up. He's throwing it half the time. His, his, he's like looking in the stands by the time the ball goes like, that's why he's not accurate sometimes. But I mean, just watch for that people on Sundays. Like when they show slow-mo replays, Cam Newton throwing the ball, it looks painful. It looks weird, but he gets it done sometimes. So, Yeah. And this year, I mean, just to kind of go back to like having to stop and just seems like that guy that can, shrug off hits kind of maybe like a little uh you know ben roethlisberger-esque where you can just you know you have to like really hit him to get him knocked over and you know it's not like you can walk you know run by him and just kind of hit him with your forearm and he's going to go down he's a guy you really got to like you know put your shoulder into to uh, you know knock down to uh, to get a sack on so he's he's just having another he's having a good year you know as opposed to like last year but you know a couple years before he he had a good year so like i said he just seems to be playing with confidence this year and he's on one of his hot years so uh that's a that's a good point by you though about him like standing up in the pocket because i mean i mentioned it before but we haven't got no pass rush the last few games i mean i don't see anybody you know on the defensive line making plays but you got to agree that like the last however many years, even when the Lions do get pressure, how many times have they like totally whiffed on a wide open blitz off the edge? How many times have we had a quarterback in our grasp and he gets away and makes a play downfield? Like it's going to be big that if we can get to him, which again, I have my, you know, my, my worries the way I've seen the last few weeks, but if we get there, like, are we going to be able to get this guy to the ground or not? Like, I don't know. He's a he's a big man, and what, what's crazy with me, like you said about his running, is when he runs that read option and gets out to the edge. I mean, he looks like he's going like three miles an hour, but he's just kind of cruising through. He'll make like a move. Remember last year when he kind of like kept moving the sticks on like these little runs where it should have went like for two yards and he'd get like twelve and a first down. Yeah, and then he'd throw it up over the top after that. I mean, those are the things we cannot have happen on Sunday. We got to find a way to get to him and frustrate him, or it's gonna be a long day. Yeah, it's like you said, he just, uh, it seems like, like you said, when he runs that read option, it's like, how how do we not catch this guy? But yeah. he just seems like it's gliding. He's, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, he makes that. He's, he's not going to scamper for 40 yards, but, you know, he's going to read that, you know, on like a third and five, that's when you got to watch him. He's like, he'll keep the ball and just, and he'll, he'll be more than happy to, uh, you know, put his shoulder down and go over somebody. He's not going to be like looking to slide or something like that. And I know I've seen him slide before and stuff like (laughs) that, but he's still, if it's like, if there's a linebacker standing in his way at four yards and he needs to get five, Cam Newton seems like the guy he's going to be the quarterback and put his shoulder down and like 
blow the guy over and try to try to get the fifth yard. So he's the king of the two or three yard touchdown too. When you get close, I mean, all those ones he had as a rookie, but even now he loves getting like inside the three and then getting his little walk in touchdown so he can do his dance, hand the ball to some grandma on the stand. So he gets a bunch of fanfare and then, you know, do whatever else he does. So yeah, that's classic Cam Newton for you right there. And then, um, like you said, when when he does pass the ball, I mean, every pass looks like he's trying to throw it through a brick wall. But uh, I mean, he does have a few weapons that he can throw it to. I mean, uh, he has a uh, you know Devin Funches and Torrey Smith on the outside. But uh, we've talked about this in the past how uh, the Lions seem to have trouble stopping any tight end who steps on the field. And uh, I still feel Greg Olson's probably one of the best tight ends in the league. So uh, I I don't know on on Slay. I haven't heard on him yet if he's going to play or not, but. This his wide his wide receivers you know in uh, tight end they're still looking like a pretty tough matchup for uh, this Lions defensive backfield. Do you think there's something anything the Lions can do to to slow them down? Yeah, I think so. L- let me get to that in a minute. I want to tell the people out there that are either just listening or starting to hear the Griff. We call it on the show the Griffka Bell. If you're hearing the bell and you're wondering why, the majority of the time I'm giving Griffka the bell, it's probably because he's saying. Um, we mentioned that last show, or I know I've said this before, or his other go-to is, uh, <laughs> I agree with you, you know what I mean, he repeats my point, so if you're wondering why we're belling him, usually those are the reasons, but his other classics are, he'll start to tell you about why the Lions uh, haven't been good for 30 years, or why uh, no one can play like Lawrence Taylor, so that's just a quick uh, recap again of the Griff Cabell for those that are new out there, I mean, uh, we're going to keep going to that all day long, but, so you, you were talking to me about the running backs, right, Griff about getting uh, the ball. Wide receivers, you know, to uh, Devin Funches, Torrey Smith, and uh, Greg Olson trying to cover the tight end. Think oh, okay. the Lions can do anything to slow these guys down? Oh, that's right, tight end. Why not? I mean, uh, we've always got killed by the tight end. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't think Greg Olson's a dynamic player anymore. I think that he's sneaky. He has that veteran presence, so he'll find his his spots where he's open. Like I said, Cam Newton does like to feature him. Uh, Funchess has been way better than advertised in the pros. He seems seems to keep making plays. I mean, he's like the – that's all they do in Carolina, get those six, seven, six, eight receivers that you think will be no good, and then all they do is catch balls and score touchdowns like Kelvin Benjamin did for a while there. Um, but, I mean, none of those players – they're all decent. I was going to say they don't scare me, but I guess what scares me is the things they do well, like Olsen just being that vet that we can't cover – um, the big body of Funchy, and then I see us having trouble with speed. I mean, I could see Tory Smith, as we used to say back in the day, with uh, 16 Fs at the end of his name. So I could see Smith going over the top and scoring a big touchdown if we don't deal with him because he's been garbage since he's come over really to Carolina, but it'd be just like it for him to catch a 50-yard ball against the Lions and, and show out when he should be terrible. Yeah, I just I, this is I, I think this is going to be another tough matchup for Detroit. Like you said, uh, Olson has that uh, yeah, veteran savvy right now too. He's seen and played so much football that he knows like okay, if this is a zone, I can you know soft zone. And I don't think anybody on the Lions in the defensive backfield, be it Quandre Diggs, any other linebackers, you know, I mean maybe if Reeves Maben plays again, he he might be able to be fast enough to you know keep up with him. But I I still think Olson's got him on the size. You know I I think Greg Olson's gonna just gonna be a really tough matchup for him this weekend, and I can see uh, Cam Newton uh, targeting him an awful lot. Now once again, I mean we can harp back and say like, well you know what if the Lions get pressure on him, I just I don't I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. So like you said, uh, if Slay doesn't play and um, you know, Slay could probably either focus on, he'd probably have to match up against Torrey Smith because I think Funches once again would probably just be able to body him all day, but they're going to have to probably bracket Funches. And then so one of the tight ends, you know, is going to have to try to cover up Greg Olson one-on-one. And I don't know if that's, that's possible. So it's looking like a pretty tough matchup for the defensive backfield this week on uh, trying to cover the uh, wideouts for, uh, for the Panthers. I mean, no. With that Griff being said, go ahead. 
I gotta jump in. Uh, you just said it, but I didn't want to jump in on you while you're finishing your point. There's this other show I listen to. Like, we've got to steal this for the podcast because I thought it was funny. So, like, these guys, uh, a bunch of buddies that talk fantasy football and get after each other. And, like, whenever they really drop a funny line or or, uh, or a zinger on somebody, you, you mentioned it with Funches against Darius Slay. They'll, like, drop a, a line on somebody, and then the other guy will go, Get bodied! <laughs> like to me it's just hilarious it's almost like when you just uh get after somebody on the basketball court and body them get bodied so <laughs> like that's what i thought of when you said the fun you just bodying up on uh slay because i could see that happening but i did hear slay was back i mean i think you're burying the lead because here we are talking about Funchy and old man greg olson like let's talk about christian mccaffrey man he's the playmaker there between him and cam if we can stop those two i think we have a chance but if he eats us up all day we're dunsky yeah mccaffrey's definitely a uh one of those uh weapons that uh and catch them out of the backfield. He's fast. I mean, we saw the touchdown. Was it either it was in the preseason, I think, or week one where he busted off like a 70-yarder and he was pulling away from the defensive backfield. So, once again, I don't think the Lions have any speed like that where, uh, you know, if he uh, gets onto the second level, I think he could probably house it. And uh, we've seen uh, – it seems like uh, Glover Quinn has lost a step. I mean, uh, where he seems to not be uh, taking – you know, either the angles are – you know, he's a little slow on the angles, and we all know Jared Davis. I mean, he's fast, but his tackling angles are terrible. So uh, I, I don't know if stopping McCaffrey is going to be a, a easy task this uh, weekend. I mean, what do you think about McCaffrey catching that little flare out of the backfield that we've seen a couple times? You know, that he could he could probably house the Lions that way. Right. I think I think that's our biggest you know, fear is that he's just going to catch these little routes. We have nobody that can cover him. Our tackling has been shoddy. To me, it's just such a weird combo, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. Like, they don't seem like they should go together at all. You know, it's like, you know, it's like just a an odd combo you wouldn't want on a sandwich, but they seem to work well together. But, I, I mean, just – Christian McCaffrey fits everything that we don't do well defensively. I mean, he can run every route – we don't have good cover guys. I mean, you almost have to like put Slay on him, you know, somehow, but you can't do that. So it's like you're going to have Slay if he's healthy out on, um, like you said, probably not Funches as much, but I mean, he's going to be their best guy on the outside, but I have no idea who you even put on uh, McCaffrey. And that's all they do all day is, I mean, he gets, he gets four or five balls a game, which is just a straight up snap the ball, throw it to him, and then does the rest. I mean, I don't know. To me, I don't know how you're going to slow him down. I mean, he has these terrible rushing games, but it almost doesn't matter because he's going to he's going to catch so many balls. And and if we don't tackle well, like you said, they're going to go for good yardage. So I'm not feeling good about that matchup whatsoever. Yeah, the, I think it's just going to be another tough weekend for our uh, our uh, sieve of a defense there, and I can see a. Uh... Carolina racking up a lot of yards and maybe some points to go along with that. Now, uh, with that being said, I mean, if it sounds like uh, Carolina's going to score some points, uh, Carolina's got a pretty decent defense. I mean, they got, uh, you know, uh, Luke Keekley, Terry Poe, Shaq Thompson on the defense. You know, they're in the, in the middle, and then they're, they're back in with uh, Dante Jackson and James Bradbury, and he's getting the, probably one of the best names I like in football, Corn Elder. Sounds like one of those boxers, like, from the 1920s. Now, Corn Elder stepping into the ring, weighing 212 pounds, and he throws a mean left hook. Corn I know when Elder. you love me going to the GM card, Griff, I loved Corn Elder coming out. He was like a guy that's boom bust. He goes and gets the football, and uh, that's what he's been in the NFL. It's kind of like a he'll come up with some big plays, but he can also be had out there. So I liked him as kind of a gambling type corner. I just love his name, Corn Elder. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that's the other reason to draft him. Big Hughes, shout out to him again. He's been helping us with the show from behind the scenes. We've been talking draft. And Big Hughes wants Greedy Williams. And I was like, Hughes, the only way you want Greedy Williams is you want a, a nasty corner named Greedy on the Lions. And then I wrote, I can't blame you. <laughs> 
<laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, man, I would love it. I don't care if they're terrible. I would take a defensive backfield with a name Corn and Greedy. Yeah. How awesome yeah. would that be? Yeah. Yes, let's trade for Corn and then draft Greedy, and then we're set. We sound like a 1930s football <laughs> team right there, you know? We could have like some couple linebackers and a running back with like that ski Polish last name. How awesome would that be? Man, see now we're fixing the team, Grifka. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, do you think? Uh, I know we've talked about this and uh, thing, but uh, <laughs> where do you see the Lions being able to target this defense to be able to move the ball down the field? Well, I, I like what you said about their defense. I mean, I, I would love it if the Lions would sort of build their defense the way Carolina did with a. I think they almost like started with the linebackers and got some really good athletic tackling top tier type linebackers. And then they, you know, have filled in rush ends and defensive backs from there because those linebackers control the game. I mean, yeah, Luke keekley has been hurt a little bit, but when he's out there, he's, he's really tough to deal with. He's a true captain of the defense. You know what? Like we would hope Jared Davis and others can be down the road. I mean, he's just a premier talent in there. So, you know, they're going to be hard to deal with. I mean, I've said it for weeks I mean, the Lions still have players. I, I just don't understand why they can't make plays and why they no, there's no creativity and there's no dynamic part of their offense. I mean, even when Carrion's still ripping off runs or catching little swing passes and getting going, I mean, it's just not it's not what you need in the NFL to win. So, I mean, if they're going to attack Carolina, it's going to have to be more downfield. It's going to have to be – I don't know if they can pound them in the run game. I know I kind of keep calling for that every week, but it's like I don't know if they can even do that. So, I mean, I guess up over the top in the pass game and just have Matt Stafford do a 180 and be a, a dynamic quarterback. That, that's probably what it would take to put up points and, and, and mess with this defense. But I think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I would like to say what they do – if if they ever, you know, stretch the field, you know, regularly where the defense kind of had to plan for that, they can maybe attack it underneath with those intermediate routes. But it seems like this year the Lions just run just a crap ton of intermediate routes. So that's what defenses are going to be scheming for because I think that's where you can kind of hit this defense and those un- those underneath routes right there. But, I mean, Keekley, yeah, uh, he's, uh, he's a – great linebacker he is but I think um his coverage skills in the last couple of years haven't been as good he's a great run defender and um Shaq, Th- Shaq Thompson's pretty fast at the outside linebacker but still I've seen plays where he's had as well so I'm, I'm not quite for sure where I mean maybe out in the flats they may be able to get something but once again they run a lot of those plays now so defenses are already going to be scheming for that so like you said trying to like go over the top and trying to just, you know, really stretch the field this week might, you know, catch the Panthers off guard. But, you know, they're still going to they're still going to have to run the ball because obviously I, I don't think you can throw the ball 60 times a game. That's not what this uh, I, I never like to see that in a, out of any team, but uh, maybe be able to get to the, um, you know, some of those plays where uh, they get uh, Johnson on, uh, you know, to the outside, you know, something like that where, uh, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, you know, he kind of feints toward the, you know, off tackle or between tackle and guard, then busts it off the end and goes to the outside and uh, gets some yards that way. But, uh, yeah, I would generally say against Carolina's defense, you know, try to get that intermediate route. But Detroit runs so much of that now, they're going to have to change the game plan. And like you said, probably have to go over the top and really try to get some big chunk plays against these guys. That's how I, I could probably see this happening. We didn't talk about any, like, real positives on the last show. And we just kind of reeled down about that game in Chicago. But, you know, a couple bright spots that I did like that they need to build off this week is I felt like they finally started making a little bit of a concerted effort to get the ball to Kenny. I mean, he's basically sort of your alpha now at receiver. I know, like, you and others, like, oh, he hasn't really done anything yet. But, I mean, every week you watch him, I mean, there's no doubt this guy goes up and gets the football like an absolute beast when he gets it 
run after catch. Like it kind of jumps off the screen. So I feel like they finally tried to sort of force it to him. You got to keep doing that. I don't want to see this week have him come up with two targets or three, four targets. I want it to be up in the eight to 12 again for him. And then like you said, with getting carry on on the edge, like you remember in that game, Chicago, he had a couple other nasty stiff arms where not only does he have the speed to get out to the edge once they run those type of plays, but people that try to come up and get him, I mean, he's looking to attack you with that off arm. So you got to keep that going, man. Like I say, feed your studs. Yeah, that's something that uh, the Lions are definitely going to have to do. And was it uh, I saw him, you know, with Marvin Jones. He was a little banged up after last game. And that might be something where Carolina, like you said, tries to bracket, you know, Kenny Galladay a little more and maybe thinking they can do a little more one-on-one with Marvin Jones. And, uh, I believe what Ellington, you know, the Lions may try to scheme for him a little more just to, you know, try to get him the ball. And, you know, they just signed him. But, you know, TJ Jones, I know you don't like him, and I'm not a huge fan of him either. But you love him. they got to they, they gotta find some way to try to move this ball down the, down the field uh, against Carolina. And uh, it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe just after the last few games, neither one of us sound too positive. It's not like Carolina's a slouch team, and I realize Detroit's coming home, but and they're you know they're to the point where they might just be kind of playing for pride, you know, going into the Thanksgiving game. But uh, you know, Carolina isn't a slouch team, and I would feel better if it would be a little bit of a lesser team that they were coming in against to get right. But it's just uh, it's not looking good good this weekend. We'll see what happens. I mean, it would be nice to. I said it, and given Sunday, like the Lions could come out and they got to start popping early. They got to get it to their studs. And yeah, Marvy has a little bit of a bad knee, but if he's able to play, I mean, he made good plays last week. If he's down, you know, that's really going to hurt the offense. And then what really hurt us the most, I think, in Chicago is your boy Slay being out. Like, we haven't had a game in a while where he's not been able to answer the bell and play. And the way our corners are right now, I mean, when he's out, we're in trouble. So word was he was back at practice. And if he's out there, that really helps the defense. And if Marvy can play, you know, this offense needs to get it together. So that's our best-case scenario is that both those things happen and and they surprise us. So I'm hoping for it. We'll see what happens. I mean, with our breakdown of the game, what we said, I mean, it sounds like uh, neither one of us are kind of positive. Uh, what are you thinking? What are you looking at for a score for this uh, for this game? I mean, what we'll to see? This team's been inconsistent. Like I, I really don't know what to think. I mean, don't think I'm coming your way, Grifka, and I'm going to be a Debbie Downer every week, or that I'm just, uh, you know, oh, because they lost the previous week, they'll lose this week. I mean, I think this game against Carolina is going to be tough. I feel like the NFL, again, it's all about what you did last. So Carolina's been playing pretty good, so everyone's high on them. Lions been playing terrible. Everybody's down on them. You know, the Lions finally got bit by the injury bug recently where we had been really healthy. So that that's always a concern when you have not only injuries, but injuries at prime positions. So, I mean, if I got to predict it, you know, I'm looking at this game of like 20, 28, 28-21, I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I, I guess I'm going to say 28-21 Carolina. I would love it if that score was flipped, but if there's any place they're going to get right, it needs to be at home at Ford Field right before Turkey Day. But uh, until they show me a little bit more juice, I'm going to go 28 Carolina, 21 our Lions. Okay. Okay. Um, I think this week after the, especially after last week, and I know we use the cliche, you know, playing for pride, but I think a lot of that's going to be called into question right here. And it's going to be to the point now, like where guys are going to want to show where they're going to, who wants to be on this team and who doesn't want to be on this team going forward. I mean, with that being said, I think the lines do play better, but right now I just don't think they have the talent to hang with, with Carolina. I mean, so with that, I'm going to predict the score of probably something along the lines of uh, Carolina 27, Detroit 17. I'm, I'm going to go with that. I mean, I, like you said, I, I hope it's flipped. But um, this just doesn't seem like Detroit's going to be able to move the ball enough and the weapons that, you know, Carolina has with uh, Cam Newton, Olsen, McCaffrey, Funches, and Torrey Smith. I just I don't know how they're going to be able to slow them down. So 
I'm going to go Carolina 27, Detroit 17. So neither one of us are looking for a very happy uh, happy ending on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see what happens when they kick it off, man. Like I yeah. say, this is a Kool-Aid cast. We're, we're definitely hoping they get a dub, but it's tough to be optimistic right now. But like I say, I'm not going to let you drag me down, Grifka. We'll see what happens. Okay. Well, with all this, I, that, I, mean, I do have a few questions for you now that uh, – he said uh, from our last podcast, we kind of went back and forth a little bit and said we're, we're going to have to sleep on it. But And then I know we brought it up, but I just want to ask you a few questions now that clearer heads are around. I mean, uh, the first question I have for you is, uh, I mean, so do you have any hope on this year? Or are you just completely, you know, scrapping this year and moving forward? Sorry, can you repeat that, Grishka? Yeah, uh, do you have any hope left on this year, or are you just scrapping this year and moving forward, starting to focus on next year? <laughs> oh man, I always got hope, Grifka, and, and you think hotheads prevail last time? Just wait till we get farther down the road, and I have to holler at you again. You go through the same stuff, or when you get frustrated with me and always being Mister Optimistic, it's gonna happen, no doubt about it. And there's no cooler heads that have prevail. Like I'm still. I'm calling a spade a spade. This team has played bad football for three weeks. They've been up and down all year. I mean, I can't totally just talk about the blue skies and the sunny days when stuff like that's going on. But, no, I mean, I obviously think that they can get it together. I think that the team itself has playmakers and going to be good. So I'm not giving up on the year, but I'm also using my head that, you know, if they lose – you got to think about the draft. I mean, we're going to have to start talking about it before you know it one way or the other and, you know, focus on some of their core players. So that's not going to change. So no, haven't given up hope, but also, you know, not expecting great things until I see like their quarterback and some of their playmakers on defense step up. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh I'm, uh, I know I know you don't like it when I agree with you, but I'm going to agree with you on that. Just uh, this year, I just don't want to like uh, – I, I never want them to lose. I, I hope they win. But uh, like I said, it's yeah, the guys on the team that show that want to be here, you know, the, the guys that uh, are, they're going to show some heart, you know, like I said, play for pride. I know they're pros, they're pro players, and they put every game behind them. But you can still tell when, you know, you've seen it, I've seen it, when it just seems like, there's some guys out on the field just not giving the effort when uh, the guys with maybe a little lesser talent are out there like really, really trying just to show something on tape. So uh, that's where, where I'm at with this point, you know, just like, okay, who's out there who really wants to show who wants to be on this team moving forward. So I, I, I know uh, I kind of mentioned this the last one too, but you know, what has your aspect been on the free agent class of this year? Has it been a bust or have, uh, have anybody really panned out? I know you said they were cheap because they didn't have a whole lot of cap space, but has this total thing been a bust with with uh, who we got out of the free agent class? I mean, I don't remember walking in this year being uh, sky high on this free agent class. I mean, I, I felt like they went, as you joke with me, they went cheap, which – yeah, you can laugh at it, but there's certain elements where that makes sense in the NFL. So trying to build both the depth, build like the type of football players that Quinn and now he's been getting players for Matt Pat, you know, that you have to sort of build that foundation with certain guys. You can't just, you know, go right out of the gate and get those blue chippers as I call them. So, I mean, of course not. I mean, I didn't walk in thinking there was many big names or big impact guys they brought in. I think Kennard's been a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I think the big, when you talk about free agents, when you're turning the clock on this season and looking into next year, in my opinion, it's going to be like, okay, Kennard looks like a pretty good piece. You're going to have to kind of lump in Snacks Harrison as a free agent slash guy we traded for that's going to be a building block. And uh, and some of the, the third-round pick, the draft resource they got is something that you can use. But, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of their free agents were, you know, the Christian Jones and some of these other guys and some of the guys they brought in on the back end that are just, you know, mid- to low-level depth players. I don't know that they'll be here next year. 
and we're starting to see a few draft busts uh, come out of the kitchen this year. So there's a lot of rebuilding to do. So no, I don't love their, what they did in free agency. It hasn't panned out positive across the board, but again, they didn't go out and spend big and, and next year is really where they both have resources in some different areas. So let's see how they use them. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll have to see exactly what they do. Like you said, a lot of stuff's coming off the books and uh, they definitely have a few holes to fill on this team for them to be uh, competitive with the uh, Green Bays and Minnesota's. And even the start to look now like the Chicago Bears. I'm still kind of confused how the Bears passed us, but uh yeah, I would, uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, Mr. Bobby Quinn does going forward. And, uh, I mean, bringing up Bobby Quinn, I've read this a whole bunch that uh, fans are kind of screaming for him to, uh, you know, at least talk, you know, give the fans an explanation about why. You know, I know I don't know if you read, but I read the uh, read the article that was put out this week. It was at the Chicago game. You know, he was sitting up in the press box and, Anytime the Lions scored, uh, the reporter kind of turned around and looked at him, and Bob Quinn he didn't have, like, any reaction at all. He was just kind of very stone-faced and just kind of sat there, and, you know, they were wondering what was actually kind of going on in his head with this team. You know, do you think Bobby Quinn should speak out and uh, give the fans an explanation of kind of what went wrong this year? You know, this whole thing was like, you know, we we have a better team than a 9-7 and roster, and, you know, we underperformed, you know, you know bringing the coach in. Do you actually think he should, you know, get in front of a microphone before January and say, hey, this is what's happening? It's funny you asked that, Griff, because I, I was talking with the Big Hughes about this, actually, and I said, uh, you know, it would have been nice for Bobby Quinn to come out after the Tate trade, and he doesn't have to give away trade secret, you know, pull out his binder that shows his big master plan for this team so everybody can see it. Of course, but what he needed to do, I think, was just come out, somewhat explain his his thought process, why they did it, why it's going to benefit him. Hopefully now, he could have said, like, hopefully now, but we definitely think long-term this is the best move for the organization, you know, all that type of stuff. Kind of build some, some clout with the fan base and with just people in general that, you know, hey, even if this doesn't work out, I have a bigger plan and, and a bigger thing to be excited about. You know, we want to win at the highest level, and that's where I'm trying to get us to. And, you know, we'll have to see how this season works out. But that's what me and the coaching staff and the city and everybody wants for this team. So I think that would have done him some goodwill. Hughes' take on it was he doesn't owe them anything. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't talk either. I'd be real secretive. And I said, I don't mind them being tight-lipped I think that was one thing that got Matt Millen and other people in in trouble is we always seem to be talking too much but I mean the guy hasn't spoken since the draft I don't think it would have killed him just come out sort of explain the Tate trade pump up the snacks trade and say hey we did get this guy he's a building block in the middle he's young he's signed for three years we love what he does in our defense all this different stuff and to just do none of that I mean I don't think is right I mean from from the other part you said, like, I think Bobby Quinn sits up in the box every week and just thinks he's doing all he can. He's trying to bring in good players. He's hoping they produce on the field. And I'm sure there's nobody that's more disappointed than he is with what he's seeing or when guys aren't panning out the way he hoped and whatnot. So, I mean, there's definitely part of that where he's bringing in people and they're not producing. And I'm sure he feels the same way we do about T's not playing well, like all that tape he watched and the speed is catching up to him. And I mean, you miss, right? Like the draft is a 50% or lower um, proposition across the board. And if you really look at it, I bet if we broke down move by move, I, I bet Bobby Quinn's batting anywhere between 500 and a little above that as far as good versus bad moves. But um, again, I'm looking long-term. I'm not excited about right now. But uh, I think that Quinn could speak a little bit more. But, um, you know, what good does it really do at the end of the day? What really counts is wins and losses. And we don't have enough wins right now. So that's really what matters. And what's going to happen down the road, though, too. You know, not just what's happening today. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, I'm still in Bobby Quinn's corner. Yeah, I think he's just – once again, trying to do like that Patriots thing where a whole lot of information is not getting released and 
you know, tight lip, not trying to, like you said, give away any secrets or anything like that or any uh, game plans, you know, for the future or anything. So don't, would it, you know, help to give goodwill to the fans? I think it would just, if he actually did that, you know, got out in front, it would just give reporters and fans more opportunity just to kind of sling more mud at him. And he realizes the team isn't where, you know, he wants it to be. And he realizes, you know, he needs better players and all, but, you know, I guess I'm kind of with a big cues on this. What, what good would it him to come out and say something like that? I mean, yeah, it could come out to be try to get, uh, you know, you know, show some goodwill and give an explanation, but I, I don't think it would stay that way. It would turn into, you know, a lot of finger pointing and complaining and, you know, mudslinging. So I, I guess I'd have to go with the big cues on that. You know, at this point, he really doesn't know him anything. It's like after the season, you can sit on, yeah, it didn't go how we wanted to go. Like you said, we have, you know, a couple of building blocks from, you know, the trades this year and free agency this year that we'd like to have. And we're going to go into the draft with a, a third round pick and, you know, get as best players we can, you know, through free agency with the money that we have as well. So I, I, it just seems like it just, it seems like a lot more questions that would just become kind of like the snapping backbiting questions about what happened with the seasons. Like, well, why'd you get rid of Jim Caldwell? He could do this exact same thing. This is your guy. Do you question me? You know, stuff like that. I mean, it's just, you know he's going to hear stuff like that. So him getting up in front of the in front of a, a room full of press, I, I just don't think it would benefit him at this point or the team at this point at all. Hey Grifka, uh, do you mind if I offend you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, there's something about the Detroit media, Grifka, that's that's really frustrating me. You've heard me blow up on a podcast about your boy, Dave Burkett. You love him. He's an absolute clown. Um, when I listen to the questions these guys ask, when I, like you said, the, you mentioned mudslinging multiple times, here's where I'm going to offend you. Like, I feel like a lot of the Detroit media are Grifkas. Like they've been here a long time. They've seen a lot of losing, they're beaten down. And so like when the team starts losing, all they can do is feed into the negative, feed into the, why aren't we good? Like, are you ever going to be good? Like, why can't you do this right? Why can't you do that right? Cause they haven't been given enough to be excited about. And I don't think that they should go in and, and throw him butterflies and, and lollipops every day. But I feel like if you're really going to grill the guy, grill him on like legit football or organizational type items. But every time I watch a press conference, I feel like the overall tone is just so negative, so down, so woe is me. And that's on the media for creating that type of culture here. And the only thing that's going to change it are legit W's and consistent W's because I don't see these guys changing at all until the team wins and wins at a high level. And, you know, like I say, that's on Bob Quinn, Matt Pat, and the players. But, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to have, like, some really honest, good reporters. And then when they really want to hold people to the fire, like when Matt Stafford gives you the whole hum, um, you know, oh, we're just trying to go out and play good football, then you have a reporter that actually asks a really good question or really, like, gets after him and doesn't take no for an answer. Like, that would be nice instead of just the – the low energy negativity. So anyway, that's my take is that we got a lot of people here that have been beat down for years. And I think that's weighing on not only the organization, but we bring in these new people and they have to deal with that right away. It's just, I think that's got to change. So that's my side tangent rant for the day. It's okay. I mean, that's you know, it's your opinion. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I see your point. It's just with that, I think the reporters get a lot of questions like that too, because I read a lot of those and you hear a lot of those, uh, was it like, you know, as, you know, ask, you know, ask the reporter questions, you know, the mailbag and stuff like that, that you always read. And they get a lot of those questions as well from fans. And I think they just kind of reiterate to the coaches. It seems like, yeah, you ask them that question in a press conference and then, you know, you do your mailbag, you know, where readers are sending in or emailing in questions. And it's just, it's the same thing you just asked, you know, last press conference. So I'm sure reporters hear the same thing, you know, from fans like, well, what's happening here? And, you know, because the reporters are supposed to have the inside know of what's going on with the team. So I I think it's just one of those things where just uh, they're looking, you know, to, I don't know, make points with the fans as well. Like here, read my stuff because I'm trying to 
you know, ask the hard questions, the kind of the joke questions too, but there seems to be a point where it seems, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like reporters fall out of favor if they really try to push an issue. So they'll ask the question, you know, the coach or the GM or whatever, will like half answer it, you know, protect themselves, you know, not give away too much information. And then when they try to push it, they get their hand slapped and then that's the rest of it. You know, like if you try to push it, you know, you're going to lose your credentials. You're not going to get invited to the game anymore. You know, stuff like that. It, it just seems to be like, that maybe that's why it's always like, oh, they want to lose their, they don't want to lose their friend with the team in case something hot does come through. You know, they'll be the first one getting the call at two in the morning instead of me. So, see, but that's the thing. Like, again, I know we got to move on, but like, there's the Grifkas out there in Lions fandom, and there's Oakries, and I feel like, like you said, the reporters get a lot of those Grifkas who are people just they're tired of losing, they want to win right now, they don't care about the big picture, they they want to tell you about what happened in 1958 and why it's going to happen in 2028, right? Nothing's ever going to change. And you got people like me too that are always like, hey, maybe next year, or, hey, this guy will be good, you know, when he hasn't done anything yet. So like, I think there's got to be like sort of a middle ground. And like, if you watch these pressers. Like Matt Pack, it's super excited when somebody starts asking him a football question with some energy and you can tell they've done their homework. Like he's fired up by that. What he's not fired up is when he comes into the press room. Hey, how are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing okay. All right. How are you? You know what I mean? That kind of garbage is just like, oh, man, this is just a loser, loser mentality, press room, loser mentality, city. You know what I mean? That's the kind of vibe you get. So I think the whole energy just has to change and wins are going to do that. Maybe bring in some really top shelf talent that, you know, gets it done. We'll do that. But I just think all that has to change. So anyway, it's a, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward, but um, you know, it's a big part, I think of this change in the whole culture. So, okay. Well, Derek, I'm going to ask you a few questions, get your point of view on uh, where we're at in the season going forward. And I know we covered the Carolina game and then neither one of us are looking for a good outcome on them. So uh, how about this Friday? How about we get out of here and uh, just uh, wait for the game on Sunday? All right, so I get I get free of the questions, Grifka. Is that what you said? I get freebie this week. Yeah, we're we're all done. No, oh, no questions. Right. I don't have any other questions for you. Okay. Well, I know last week um, we just barely hit on it, but Grifka knows, and the people out there will have to know that. You know, we talked about a little bit that I want our lines to to get it together, play better, you know, win games, all that kind of good stuff, but. We are going to get real nerdy and real in-depth about the NFL draft as we kind of keep going through the season. We get closer to the offseason. We're going to be breaking down all those types of moves that can can better this team. So I'm already diving into this 19 draft, Grifka, not because I quit on the year, but just because I love the draft so much and, and looking at it. All these defensive stars are coming out. And like you said, I'm going to start breaking down free agents uh, as we get closer to the offseason, who we could add, what might help. So, again, that's not quitting or looking too far ahead. It's just saying, like, bigger picture type stuff. So we'll be talking about that on future shows. But as you said, all they got to do is go get a W this Sunday, an unexpected W against Carolina. Everybody will be talking about, wow, look at they came out of the gate. They played great football. Who who expected that? Or, wow, so-and-so made a huge play. That really changed the game. Um, that would really be a nice boost going into Turkey Day. So, again, we are the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. I say we drink it in a little bit and hope that they can pull a rabbit out of the hat, flip the script, play great football on Sunday, send us into the holiday, um, feeling better and seeing if they can – I mean, two wins and they're right back to, to five and six, which would be kind of neat to be at that spot after uh, Turkey Day, kind of seeing what the rest of the season holds. But if it doesn't go that way, people are going to be getting restless. So we'll be talking all about it here on the Kool-Aid cast. Griff, good, good topics, good stuff today. Um, everybody, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy this game. We'll catch you guys all next week on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Drink it in. This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves. Drink it in, man.